consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I'm here with my co-host. Gypsy, and today we have Colin Thompson. He is the founder and principal coach at Oli Gay Life Coaching. You might remember him from episode 40, where we covered blockchain, crypto, and NFT. And today we're talking about mental fitness and positive intelligence. Welcome back to the show, Collins. Yeah, so Gypsy Classic, thanks for having me back. Very much on a different topic today from blockchain. Very far from blockchain today, right? But yeah. thanks for having me back because one of the things that, that I love talking about is our need to build up and develop our mental fitness. And I'll define that later, but great to be back on your podcast. It's a great pleasure having have. you back. And uh, for the listeners, can you tell us where you are located currently? So I, <laughs> I am in the, the, the land of lockdown. <laughs> I am in Shanghai, China, uh, which is typically a very vibrant, uh, bustling, active city. Um, for the past almost two months, we've, though we've been on lockdown or some level of lockdown, COVID restrictions. So um, Shanghai, China, we are going through, I, I want to say, month number two of being within restrictions, um, limiting our movement. Um, but um, everything is fine. The family is fine. Uh, two kids here and my wife, everybody's fine. And we're now able to walk around outside so we can get some sunshine each day. So, um, so yeah, not too bad here in, in, in China. So you said you can't leave the house for a while because I think I was following another person as well that does like daily reports. Um, and so when you can't leave your home, like how do you get groceries and stuff? Do you order that in or how does that work? Yeah, so it's it, there's different levels, right? So if we go back to early March or prior to lockdown, you can you can get anything delivered here, right? Pick up a easy app, literally anything delivered. So delivery was a very common thing we did. However, once we went on restrictions where we couldn't travel too far away, we were still able to get deliveries, but it may take longer. If it was a half hour before, then it became two hours. But what happened was when the city went on lockdown meaning the entire city couldn't leave their home. What happened was delivery people were where? At home also. Yeah. So getting deliveries was much more difficult. They had to get passes to be able to, to um, deliver food. And what happened was delivery people became, I guess you can call them um, urgent workers. I've got a term, terminology, but they became necessary. So they were allowed to leave their houses and go deliver. But if you think about it, what had to happen was we went from individual deliveries to group deliveries. So for example, my entire building, my entire building has nine floors, two apartments, so 18, 18 apartments, maybe, maybe 40 people total. We have to do group, group orders, right? Because what that does is it, it cuts down the need for more delivery people. So you can do group buying, whether it's in your, your building or your compound. So you could, not, you could not do individual deliveries, but you can do a maze delivery. So for example, instead of one, one delivery driver bringing one order, that driver is now bringing, you know, maybe $500 worth of orders in one delivery, because that was the only way for them to really have enough delivery drivers to deliver food. So we can, we can still get deliveries. And now things are opening up a little bit more, you can now get more individual deliveries again. How's it been working from home? For me, it's been great because previous to lockdown, I still work from home for the majority of the time. One of the things that, that we did, myself and other life coaches did, we decided to volunteer our time 
to coach people who are having a tough time going through anxiety, um, frustration, um, the fear of the unknown. Because right now, on a daily basis, the policies were changing. Um, if you caught COVID or tested positive, you're taken from your home to move to a quarantine place. And that's typically a place that has poor standards, right? And perhaps separate from your kids. So people were very, very nervous about um, getting COVID. So for myself and other coaches, it's been good because we're able to do more volunteer coaching and helping people who are going through a tough time. And, you know, this brings us to that topic of, of, of mental fitness. So people are very familiar with physical fitness, right? So right. physical fitness says, if you want to run, if you want to run a 10K and you've never trained, right? <laughs> you try to run, well, let's, let's say 10K. If you want to run uh, five miles and have never trained for it, it's going to be very tough five miles, right? Your, your legs are going to burn. Your chest is going to burn because your physical fitness isn't as tough. It's the same thing as we go through life ups and downs. If we haven't built up our, our mental fitness, right? Then it, the same thing happens. We're not able to make it through life's ups and downs. And one of the things that we're trying to help people do now is to slowly build up their mental fitness to be able to handle what they're going through during lockdown because a lot of people have really been taken to a place of despair, taken to a place of, of fear, taken to a place of anxiety during these last two months. And the thing about it is you don't know when things are gonna change. So right now, my wife and I, we said we're on a, a rolling two weeks expectation. Our expectation is we're going to be on lockdown for at least two more weeks, right? And we always say that. So we're not disappointed when the next day comes and we can't go outside. We just say as part of the process and let's not get frustrated, but it's just deal with deal with what's taking place today. In the moment. Yeah. I guess right. to, to go back a little bit, how did you first get into life coaching? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've always been very big on motivation and motivational speaking. And, and I sort of back back into it. When I was in high school, well, I'm the youngest of six kids. So what that means is growing up, I always played sports and they were always better than me. But I always competed against my older siblings, which meant that when I went to play for a team, I was pretty good because I had so much practice. practice. And in high school, that's my first time being put in sort of a leadership position as, as captain of the football team and wrestling team it was go out there and motivate your team. In football, it's very easy because you have so many people there, other folks can motivate. But in wrestling, it's different. Wrestling is one-on-one. -on -one. So wrestling is how do you motivate your teammate who got beat the last five matches to go out there and give his all. So that was my first time being in a role where I had to motivate people, motivate, 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 get you hyped up. So for some reason, I was good at it and I liked it. Went to college, sort of the same thing in college. But... Flash forward to 2000 and it's a big flash forward actually, 2000 and I want to say 2012, I was working here in Shanghai with IBM and they knew internally that I was very big on, on sports, very big on motivation, very, very energetic guy. And they asked me to call him, would you like to volunteer to, to be a coach? And I said, I don't know what coaching is. Um, quite frankly, I didn't believe in coaching back then. But I said, okay, if you want me to try it, I'll do it. And they, they took me through about six months of training on how to be an internal coach for leaders and managers. And I'll tell you what, what, I, what I noticed. You know, classic, if I motivate you today, where I am here, it is Saturday morning, where you are, it's Friday evening. If I motivate you today, I guarantee you, 
you will run through a wall tomorrow, but maybe not on Sunday, definitely not on Monday, because motivation doesn't last too long. A lot of times you must get motivated again and again and again. And people come to Colin, motivate me. And they call me back again a few months later, do it again, Colin. And I was like, wow, this is not sustainable. But with coaching, to me, coaching was the last piece because coaching was, I'm not only going to motivate you, but I'm going to coach you through reaching your goal. So in 2012, I really saw the other side on how powerful coaching can be because coaching, you stay with your client from where they are now and you help them reach a goal. And most of us have goals that change our lives. So I was very, 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 very um, moved by learning this new skill. So in 2018, I was fortunate enough to leave IBM and open my own coaching, training, and consulting business. And I've been doing that for the last four years. Okay. Is there any certifications or anything that come with life coaching? Absolutely. Well, you don't have to have a certification. And one of the, one of the things I thought about when I first went to life coaching is, do I want to just coach or do I want to have a certification? And one thing I've learned here in China, right, is very interesting. Um, people here get certifications to have a certification, okay? And let me not say in China, um, this is in a lot of different countries. People get certifications just to have those credentials, but not to learn. So one thing I told myself early, I'm not going to do any, any, any certification just to say, I've achieved it, I wanna learn. So I made sure I went through a 26 week program, 26 week program that helped me be able to be a good coach. And most coaches go through some sort of certification program. So, you know, the, the International Coaching Federation, which is a, a global, probably the biggest global um, certification program for coaches. I am a member of, of ICF, but I think it's important again, that coaches go through some sort of certification program. Now, therapists are different. Legally, they must go through some a, a qualified program that allows them to be legally able to be a therapist or psychologist, but for coaching, you don't have to, but most coaches who really want to effect change do go through a certification program. Okay. So I guess asking, what does that, um, what is the certification like? What is the process usually like when, when doing that? What are some of the things that they um, share with yeah. you? Yeah, well, I can, I can tell you one of the biggest differences between, um, certified coaches and i'm going to say um wannabe coaches because <laughs> there are a lot of wannabe coaches out there and you know people who i meet and they say colin you know i want to be a coach because people tell me i give great advice right you give me your, your challenges i can help you i can give you advice and help you help you figure out what, what, what you should do and one of the things about coaches is we don't give advice we don't give any advice whatsoever. It's very rare that we tell a client what they should do or we give clients advice on what they should do. So as you go through the program, the program teaches you how to be a very powerful listener, how to listen actively, right? How to ask very powerful questions. For example, if, um, if I want to help guide you somewhere, I'm not gonna ask you a closed question. I'm not gonna say, you know, are, are you happy about that? Because the answer could be yes or no. But I will ask you, well, that's very interesting. What was it about that that made you happy? Or what, what was it about that 
that didn't make you happy, right? So you're able to share more in your answer because we want to bring, we want to, we want to create an environment where our client can freely speak, uh, a very confidential, very trusting, very open environment. But we also want to make sure that we're asking those powerful questions that make them get an aha moment. An aha moment is when a client shares something and a light bulb goes off. You know, I just realized hearing myself say something that boom, 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 right? That's what we want to do. We want to help the client find their way, right? I think it says, right, self, right? We want the client to find their way. We're just here helping them, helping to, to guide them. So the, the, the program teaches how to do that, how to sort of make sure the client isn't dependent on you. The client must be dependent upon themselves. Okay. So I want to talk about um, positive intelligence because you sent over um, this assessment and I actually went ahead and took that um, assessment. But before we get into that, like, can you define, like, can you explain that a little bit? Positive intelligence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so positive intelligence is, um, it, it, it's really about our ability to maintain a positive mindset. So we talk about mental fitness and mental fitness is the same thing, our ability to deal with life and maintain a positive, positive uh, level of emotions as opposed to a negative level of emotions. So positive intelligence is just knowing how to stay positive. We all go through different experiences in life and it's upon us to decide how we're going to react to it. We want to have what we call a sage mindset. So a sage mindset, meaning we always want to look at everything we experience as a gift. Even if, even if it, you know, it seems really, really bad, everything we experience can be a gift. So can we, can we experience life and have that positive mindset consistently? The answer is no. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no we cannot. We want to. We want to. But until we build up our mental fitness, we can't do that. So your mental fitness... It's, it's the same as going to a gym. When you go to a gym, the first day you go to a gym, you're not going to be able to bench press 200 pounds. Maybe 100, right? But you do that 100. And then a few weeks later, add weight, add weight, add weight, add weight. So when you develop your mental fitness, it's the same thing. If you have, you know, if you and your spouse or your family or friends, or you have a major, a major life experience that brings you a lot of negativity, Perhaps don't try to say, what is the gift in this? I mean, positive. Start with something small. Start with, start with a pet peeve, right? Something small and build up your mental fitness. Practice not getting upset over little things. And the more you're able to build up your mental fitness, you can then handle the bigger, the bigger issues. So part of what we do in positive intelligence is we help people develop their mental fitness. Start with, for example, my wife, I don't, I don't know why, my wife leaves the microwave door open all the time, <laughs> which, which, which may not seem like a, a big thing, right? But to me, it just makes no sense because the light, the light is on, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like leaving the light on somewhere. Why don't you just close it, right? And for a long time, every time I see it, right? Again, <laughs> it may seem like something small, but for me, it was a pet peeve. And I told myself, okay, Colin, start here don't let this get you upset anymore. So I tell myself, I'm going to turn a corner and go to the kitchen. No matter what I see, 
don't get upset. And it took me a while, right? But I found that once I said, you know what? I don't think she's doing it just to get me upset, right? So now there's no blame there. Perhaps she's just forgetting, I don't know why she's doing it, but it's not doing it to get me upset. When I turn a corner and I see it open, what I do now is I close it and keep, and keep it going, right? I close it. So, so starting here, and once I'm able to, to do that and I get upset, I'm then able to work on something else that bothers me and not let that get me upset either. So starting something small and not letting it trigger me, right? Because we get triggered so easy sometimes, right? But not letting it trigger me and using that to help me build up my mental fitness so I can handle a bigger and bigger issue. So we always try to help people, tell people start small, right? What's something that gets you a little bit upset that you can really start focusing on how to be a sage in that moment. And for me, the gift in that, right? Because again, everything can be a gift. The gift in that was me saying, wow, this is something that was silly that was getting me upset. And now it's not. I've just developed a new skill, right? I've just developed the ability to not get upset with things that used to get me upset. So trying to find the gift in every situation, it's not easy to do, right? But, but it's possible. Yeah, it's weird to sit and think about it, like how you brought up the microwave situation, but you just can't figure it out. And it, I, I guess I'm, I'm the kind of person when I, even when I think about my relationship with, you know, the microwave, it's the sound. <laughs> it's the sound of it closing that probably bothers her probably the most, because if it's closed, the sound of it opening is one sound. You put in your food and then you have to close it and then you press the timer and then it cooks and then you press it again to open it and the sound of it opens and you have to pull it in again and then you have to close it and you hear the sound again. But if, yeah. it's, if it's always open, you open it, put it in, cloom, one time, do your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You leave it open and you don't, you only hear that closed sound right, every, time, right. every time you use it instead of four times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that could be it. I'll, I'll tell you something I've learned. I've learned I've learned for me, right? I've learned don't even try to 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 identify why. Yeah. Right? Why does it matter? Why does it matter, right? Just, just everyone their their personal reason, their respectful reason. Yeah. If it's something that's like a personal annoying thing, you know, yeah. everyone, you know, respectfully, everyone has that one thing, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. something necessarily wrong with it, it's just, you know, but yeah, yeah. I've, you know, that's the first time yeah, I think I've, but I could say probably as a child, probably left the, you know, left the microwave open a lot. As a child, yes, not as a grown <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I got a chance to take the assessment, but I have no idea how to actually interpret. Like, I get the idea of, the self-sabotage, right? And right. I guess I'm trying to understand it. Is it helping you figure out what type of self-sabotage right. is happening? You're right. So let me give some background. So we all have ways of sabotaging ourselves, our mindset, right? So we have, there are 10, 10 saboteurs. There's one that's the major saboteur that everybody has. That's a judge, right? We judge ourselves. We judge other people. And we judge the environment. You know, if we make a mistake, we'll say, you know what? Oh man, you messed up again. You're not smart enough for this. You're not fast enough. You're not good enough. That's how we judge ourselves. 
and imagine having a little a little gypsy a little version of you on your shoulder <laughs> this stuff all day you know what you're not smart enough um they're better than you yada 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 just telling you all this negative stuff it, it affects how you think about yourself that's how you judge yourself you're also just just other people by saying they're not smart enough they're not good enough why did they do that why did they make that mistake why are they wearing that shirt that's stupid why are they doing that we, we judge people so quickly right why are they not walking in the escalator why are they stopping right so many different ways we judge other people and we judge the environment also we judge for example i know a lot of people here in shanghai are judging the way the city is being run right now during lockdown so a lot of judgment and, and the judge is, is a saboteur that really impacts how we live because again judging yourself others and the environment but then we have nine what we call accomplice saboteurs right and these are the saboteurs that also talk to us but they're more specific so so gypsy what were your top your top two or three saboteurs from that that, that, that assessment? Yeah, i can actually um go ahead and let's see let's see here and this is a major part of positive intelligence because you need to really be able to identify your saboteurs so you can start to you can start to attack them. Okay, the stickler, the pleaser, and hyper vigilant, hyper rational, hyper achiever. And let me first say that all all of the saboteurs come from a very very positive place, right? The challenge is though when we go too far in that saboteur strength. So for example, the stickler, the stickler says that things must be done in a certain way. And they must be done in a certain way each and every time. Now that comes from, and people will say that, you know what, I'm a stickler, but that helps me, help me get to where I am. I, I'm a success because I worry about all the details. But is that really, really true? You know, so, so sticklers sometimes are so, are so into things being perfect that it, it, it impacts how they interact with others. So for this one, do you believe you have a stickler, a stickler within you? Yeah. <laughs> how you yeah. explained it? Yeah, I, I think I, yeah. And what's been the impact? So, so how does how did that stickler impact you? What, what, does, what does it, how, how does it manifest itself within you? Just wanting to, things to get done a certain way, like you were saying. Um, programming. Yeah, it's like, well, it's somewhat of a being, I guess, a perfectionist in a way, and then wanting things to go a certain way and having a certain expectation and wanting things to go as expected. And when it doesn't, sometimes that can affect you a lot more than maybe other people that are not sticklers and they don't need for things to go exactly as right 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 and sometimes you as you mentioned an expectation of how things should be done right and sometimes that expectation is put on other people as well right especially yeah. if, if, if you guys are working together we want things to be done a certain way so that's a stickler and again people some folks will say you know what I'm, I'm a success because I'm a stickler. Sticklers get things done, right? Sticklers have a method of how to get things done. That's true, but but do you need to have those traits to get things done, 
right? So you also have the pleaser here. And the pleaser, I, I think a lot of people can resonate with the pleaser. So before I, I define this, what do you think the pleaser means? I, um, I would think like a people pleaser in a way. Um, like if probably you're in a crowd, you kind of want everything or, um, you know, everyone to be happy or. Yes, yeah. This is this is a very interesting one because a lot of people know pleasers and pleasers come from, again, from a very, very good place. Pleasers want people to be happy. They don't want people to go through any sort of pain or discomfort and they want the environment to be smooth. The challenge is though, that I'm not saying this is how you, how you are, but a lot of pleasers are trying to make people happy so they get the people's affection, not because they want people to really truly be happy. They're doing it because they want people to say, you know what, this person is so nice, they're so caring, let me care about them and be nice to them. So they're trying to get their affection by pleasing them. What happens though, a lot of time with pleasers, they're so busy pleasing other people, they don't let people know how to please themselves, right? So pleasers often feel empty, they feel alone, they feel like people are not returning the kindness and goodness that I'm giving them, right? So have you have you felt any of that? Yes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> 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 So Claudia, explain, explain your answer. Well, we've um, basically even dealing with music. I've um, she supported me a lot of, with music and even with the podcast thing. Sometimes just a, a couple of a, just being supportive on social media. You know, it's a, a world of its own. Right, right. She, you know, kind of it's we put out a lot of love. You know, it's pretty easy for us to like or love and just you know whether it's on there and it's not the quite the same when you know, promoting your own thing as a creator. And I'm sure a lot of creators feel that way, you know, and they probably have that pleaser thing because you want to please your audience. You want to please your right. fans. So, you know, sometime when you really put out a lot of, you know, networking or love and just, you know, and it doesn't come back the same. Yeah. It, it, it bothers or it, it drains you a little bit. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's interesting because social media, you see this a lot. If we go back 10 years, it was more, it was more direct interaction, right? Hey, good to see you. Um, I like you. I care about you. Um, um, what do you need? Let me get it for you. Let me help you. But now on social media, it's about giving a like, or not even just a like, but even writing a few words about something, right? And people do that, and they're doing it. One, I want to be seen as a, being supportive, right? I want somebody to see that I'm giving a thumbs up. I'm giving a like. Um, I want people to notice that. And I'm hoping that they'll say, thank you. I'm hoping that they'll say, hey, thanks for your comments. And when it doesn't happen, right? When they come back an hour later and look at, go back to that thread and see nobody said, thank you. It's draining, right? It's draining. And people really are being put into a, a, a terrible space through social media. And the fact that they're liking things all day and as you mentioned, they're not getting any sort of support back. Right. And it's a, they use it as a form of, you know, supposedly networking you to 
engage with other people and, you know, comment here and comment there. And, you know, sometimes it works, but a lot of times it, yeah, it's not necessarily for a lot of creators who are looking to, you know, right. be to network and, and things like that. It's tough. It's just a little tough, you know, tough. Yeah. And it's not just that. even in, um, in social media, which it happens a lot in social media, but now that is such a big part of society now that it's driving behavior outside of social media in real life. Um, even when I was doing like photography and um, you offer like so much like free photography and things like that to network. But sometimes, you know, it, it doesn't matter the situation. It's just a lot of times I do tend to give out a lot of um, a lot of myself. And then sometimes yeah. I feel a little bit drained when it doesn't right. necessarily feel like it's, you know, coming back. Yeah. Right. And I'll tell you, um, if you're doing it for networking, that's more purposeful, right? And, th and that makes sense because networking is something you have to do in your business. But when you're doing it to get affection, right? That's different. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like saying, you know what? Um, I want to help you achieve something, not because I want you to achieve it. Mm -hmm. I want you to like me, which is totally different. So yeah. a lot of times people are pleased because they want people to like them. And that's not, that's not sustainable. That's not going to put you into, because you now have these expectations of somebody else who doesn't know about these expectations, right? And please, so, 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 um, Gypsy, you mentioned that, you know, you, you have a pleaser in you. How often do you tell people how to please you? Not often. <laughs> right, right. And that, that's what happens. They're so busy trying to give, give, give that they don't take time to let people know how they can actually help them. I have, I have a good friend, a good friend here in Shanghai, and he is a major pleaser. And one of the things he will not do, he will not let you help him. And I told him, I said, look, man, stop doing all these things for me if I can't do anything for you. And he couldn't understand that. He couldn't understand that he's really pushing people away because if I can't do anything for you and you only do things for me, it's going to cause some stress, right? It's going to cause some, some strain in the relationship. So I had to help understand that you must let us say thank you, right? And not just through words, but through actions as well, right? And you had, you had one more. You had the hypervigilance, right? Yeah. So, so what do you think that one means? And this, this one's a little misleading from the title, but what do you think hypervigilance? Yeah, that one, I don't, I'm not really sure what that means. Yeah, I don't know what it means. I either. think, well... Maybe when you're like trying to achieve something, you're kind of like super hyper focused. I don't know if that's really what that. Yeah, means. that sounds more like a hyper achiever, but hyper hyper vigilant. So, to be vigilant just means to really be on top, aware, hardworking, and whatnot. But hyper vigilant, these are people who have a trait of always worrying about what could go wrong and then doing everything they can to prevent that from going wrong. So they worry a lot. Um, for example, during the time here, a lot of people are worried about getting COVID. So they'll do everything they can to avoid getting COVID. A lot of people are worried about what happens if the border doesn't open up. So they're spending all this time worrying, worrying, worrying about things that may never happen. So we call people who have this, 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 this saboteur in them, they worry a lot about things, a 
lot of anxiety, and they try to do things to avoid. Now, a lot of hypervigilant people are very successful because they're doing everything they can to avoid things going wrong, which means they're trying to make things go right. But again, it's coming from a place of fear and nervousness, not from a place of, of abundance. So do you have a, any hyper uh, hypervigilance in you? I wonder a little bit high. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, so so hypervigilant. So so before Gypsy, I explained a little bit of some of the characteristics of hypervigilant. Does any of that sound familiar to you? Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, yeah, that one is a little bit hard to identify. I'm not really sure. Yeah, and let me say that if you were to take the assessment you know, next week, you may see a different result. Sometimes the assessment is based on how, what we're going through at, at that moment. Um, so, so take it with a grain of salt, but they're, they're usually, it's interesting, they're usually pretty accurate, especially mm -hmm. if you ask your friends and family what they think. Because sometimes we don't want to see certain things, right? But our friends and family can say, yep, I, I see that, I see that, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I've taken a few of these different types of assessments and it's always hard for me to answer the question because it depends on the situation or, you know, sometimes you change, you're constantly morphing and your personality type kind of changes a little bit. So it's always hard for me to answer those questions. Yeah. One thing we, we tell our clients, take, take the assessment every six or seven weeks, because if we're helping you, right, you should see a, a change in how powerful those saboteurs are influencing you, right? The whole thing is to reduce the impact of these nine saboteurs have in our life. So it takes time to do that, but that, that's, that's one of the, the main goals of, of, of positive intelligence and developing your mental fitness. So is that the goal? Like when you're taking that test, everything should be, the percentages on the progress bar should be pretty low on all of them. Is that what the goal is? Yeah, well, I think the goal, the goal, the main goal is to understand which saboteurs are dominating you the most. Because mm -hmm. even, even if you're able to reduce your hypervigilant, able to reduce your pleaser, able to reduce your, your what was the other one? Um, your... First one was... Um, stickler. 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 Yeah, that was able to reduce those, other ones will take their place, right? Mm -hmm. So because it's an assessment, there's always going to be a ranking. Right. So it's never going to read zero, zero, zero because you're answering questions. So if I was going to identify something, but the key is to identify which are the main saboteurs that are impacting you and then work on those. And one of the things is, for example, if you know you have a stickler in you, and I, I don't say you're a stickler because you're not a stickler, but you may have a stickler in you. Right. Mm -hmm. So now that you're aware of that, you're mindful of that. The next time you're doing something that's stickler ish, You'll say, oh, I'm doing it again, mm -hmm. right? And perhaps you'll say, let me not take the same action or let me do something different. So the first part is being mindful you're doing it again and then changing your behavior. And I'll give you another example. When I used to, um, I used to travel during rush hour every day. And in the mornings, when I leave my front door, my goal is to get my desk as soon as possible. 
So in the street, I'm walking pretty aggressively in the street. I get to the subway. When the subway gets to my stop and the door opens, I'm walking out pretty aggressively. I'm walking fast. I turn, go to the escalator. And escalator, there's two rows, right? One on the right, what you do? You stop. On the left, you walk up. Yeah. No matter what, there's always somebody who on the left stops also. And it just stops everything. And it would just get me so incest. I just be like, oh my God. I would just get so upset about that. Because that was me being triggered. And I would judge them. I would say, oh, you're so stupid that you don't know the etiquette. You say, if you want to stand, go to the right. If you want to walk, go on the left. You stupid this, that, 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 that. Me judging them, right? So I had to learn how to tame my judge. And not to tame my judge, but to not also be triggered. So like, like a pet peeve, right? I started saying, when I turn this corner, and I, and I regardless of whether or not somebody is walking or stopping, I'm not going to change my mindset. Because when I got upset, I would be upset for the next 30 minutes, right? Little thing like that, right? Yeah. So I have to first understand my saboteur is a judge, and I'm judging other people. So being able to recognize when you're doing it again is the first, is the first step in stopping to take, stopping that action you take when you are being triggered, right? Because we all get triggered. The question is, what do we do when we get triggered? So is there a different exercise that you can do to kind of um, help with each category? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really the same, the same sort of exercise. We call these doing PQ reps. So PQ stands for positive intelligence, right? Um, which is positive quotient. So your quotient being positive versus negative, you want to have a very high PQ number, meaning you're able to maintain the positivity going through more of life's ups and downs. So one of the things we do is to do a, a PQ rep. And I'll, I'll walk you guys through it, walk you guys through it now, right? And this is something that that I would say works for some people, not for everybody. It's sort of like a meditation, but it helps you to stop your busy mind and just calm down, right? So well, let's, let's do one. So if you guys don't mind, can you close your eyes? Can you close your eyes for a moment? Sit, you know, sit straight in your chair, have your feet flat, have your feet flat, and really have your mind and body at ease. So take a deep breath in, a breath out. A breath in again, a breath out. And as you return to a normal breathing pattern, feel the air as it comes through your nose. Is the air warm? Is it cold? Really feel the temperature. Feel the air as it's going out of your nose. Feel it as it's hitting your skin under your nose. Is it warm? Is it cold? Now take your hands and rub your finger, your thumb against your forefinger and do it such that you feel your fingerprints. You feel the ridges in your fingers. Now take one hand and rub the palm of your other hand. And as you're doing that, Feel the ridges, feel the fingers, 
feel the ups, the downs, feel everything. Now take your other hand and rub your palm with such delicacy that again, you're feeling the ridges. Now, feel your feet, feel your toes. And if you need to, wiggle your toes so you can feel your toes. Wiggle your toes. And start to move up your body. Find a way to energize and feel your calves, your thighs, your hips. Feel your midsection. As you're breathing, feel your stomach and your chest rising and lowering. Feel your shoulders. Are they tense? Are they loose? Now, as you work, you work your way up your body, feel your jaw. Is it clenched? Is it loose? So take a few more seconds. Focus on your breathing. And when you're ready, open your eyes. Okay, so that's an example of a PQ rep. And you can do that for a minute, two minutes, three minutes. Now, the purpose of this, right? The purpose of this is to disrupt your day, right? Meaning, as you go through your day, and we say we're too busy to do, we're too busy to do A, B, and C, we want you to take a moment to just center yourself and calm everything down, right? Because once you calm everything down, you're more mindful of what you're experiencing. One of, the, one of the worst times to make a decision is when you're nervous, you're scared, you're mad, you're frustrated. So by, this, by disrupting your, your normal day and making sure you can be calm, it helps you make decisions for the next hour or so, right? Because we wanna make sure that we're not in a place that's going to allow us to make errors in judgment, right? So you may say, well, on this little meditation thing, I don't feel, feel any different. You don't know that yet, right? The question is, over the next hour or so, are you more calm in making decisions? And just to go back to your question, um, how does this, how does how does this help me to defeat my saboteurs? Well, first of all, you must be mindful that you're being saboteured, right? And then, if you're of calm of mind, you're able to take a different action. Our saboteurs sit on our shoulders and tell us lies, right? I must do this to get their affection. I must, I must do this because I'm worried. I must be a stickler and do this, right? Always telling you lies. You're not smart enough. Um, you're never going to get this done. So if you're able to calm your mindset, when, you, when, you, when your saboteur talks to you, you can say, oh, I'm doing it again. Let me take a different action. Because the neural pathways in our brain is when we're triggered, we typically do the same thing, right? We have habits, we do the same thing. So how can you now change that pattern? And that comes from first being mindful of it and saying, you know what? I'm going to do something different, take a different action. I'd like to touch a little bit back on um, the how to, you know, kind of keep a strong mental fitness during like the lockdown situation that you're dealing with, where you can see 
um, a, you know, it's a little, people are starting to get irritated. Can you highlight us a little bit on that? Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, now luckily I've been at this for a while, right? So I can say that um, I'm very good at, well, I'm better at looking at every situation and saying, how can this be a gift? So back on March 7th, that's when we first had some restrictions put on us. And I remember telling my wife, I said, wow, okay, things are going to be different for a while. I want to now practice my muscles, my new muscles of not letting anything get me upset during this time. So I went into this saying to myself, this is practice for me to be in that sage mindset where no matter what the government says we have to go through, no matter what restrictions, restrictions we have, I'm going to be okay. We're going to be fine. So for, for us, it hasn't been so bad because I'm using this as a challenge. But for so many people, it, it's very, very different. And part of what people are going through now is the, the uncertainty that comes each and every day. Must I take a test today? Uh, is it an in-home test? Is it an outdoor test? If it's an outdoor test, am I putting myself at risk by being close to people? Because if you've been on lockdown for two weeks, why is anybody testing positive <laughs> anymore, right? Unless something is coming in, right? So I'm putting myself at risk. So, so one of the things that I talk to a clients about now is how to sort of stop asking yourself, well, stop saying, you know what, I fear uncertainty. You know, I, I don't, you know, the fact that I don't know what's going to happen gets me nervous. I said, what if you told yourself that no matter what happens, you'll be okay, right? And it's a very different mindset because if, you, if you're fearing uncertainty, that means you're looking, you're watching social media, you're looking to see what's going to happen next and you're going to react to it. As opposed to saying, no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. So I tell people what we're going through now and in the U.S., it may be a little different, but what we're going through now, this is just a chapter in our lives called COVID, right? Now, I'll admit, it is a big-ass chapter, okay? It is, it is not a 10-page chapter. It is a very long chapter, but it will be over. And when you look back, right, when you look back at this COVID time, what did you experience and achieve? And a lot of people can feel that because they're saying to themselves, right now, I'm feeling anxious, frustrated, angry at, at, at some of the, some of the um, regulations. But if you think back, what experiences do you, do you want to have? And people can really, really understand that. And that helps them to say, you know what? I do want to develop my mental fitness. And I do want to ask myself, what is the gift of this time period? Because people are spending more time with their families, right? People's diets have gotten better. Um, people can't get cigarettes. Right, people can't get that much alcohol, so people are really experiencing a much more healthier lifestyle now. Granted, they can't, they can't go out, but there are several gifts that people don't realize they're getting at this time, right? So, helping them realize that and say, How can you really build up your mental fitness? Don't try to deal with the biggest challenges you have right now, but start small with some things while, while you're, while you're, while you have the time, quite frankly. So people are dealing with in, in different ways, but for the most part, I think people, you know, there's different experiences, right? Different phases. The first week is a little nervous. You get frustrated. By the third week, you, you get pissed off, you get upset. 
by the fourth or fifth week, you it's accepted, right? So people go through different emotions during the time. And I think right now people are getting tired of it, but people are accepting the situation more and now trying to say, what can I gain during this time? Okay. What is, do you know the status like for here? Because, you know, they've kind of basically opened up most of <laughs> stop requiring, you know, we just started going back to the gym. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. As far as that's, you know, with them opening that back up and dropping, at least in LA County, but a lot of the US was, has basically kind of been close to trying yeah. to be back to normal. Yeah. And I, I do see that because I, I watch TV. I watch a basketball game, right? And my wife will go, dude, no, you have masks on. There's so many people there. I'm like, honey, the COVID in the US now is open. And, and, and as the world is doing, right? They're just saying, let's, let's open back up. I don't even think they're reporting daily numbers anymore, right? I don't, I'm not sure. We don't really watch the news like yeah. that either, but I haven't heard anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things, things open back up. And I think, you know, I have no idea whether it's a good or bad because I don't live there. I just know here, um, China does have a zero, zero, to zero tolerance policy, right? Which means that, for example, right now, I think we will be able to leave our compound next week. But if we have one positive test at 14 days, right? And one positive test out of, I want to say, probably 5,000 people who live here. So it's very much, very much, um, it's very much, we're in our COVID period. But here in China, besides the first month of 2020, we haven't really had any restrictions, right? So I think it's just our turn to go through this. Mm -hmm. Is it just in Shanghai or all the other cities are also going through this? They're going through it now. You know, Beijing, Beijing is in the early, so, so Beijing, they had, Beijing had cases before, but never at this level. So now in Beijing, they stopped all of the, um, in-person dining so you couldn't go to a restaurant all the public places were closed I think now you can still get deliveries and they haven't went to a lockdown but they are trending toward going to a lockdown and cities don't want to do lockdowns so lockdown means you can't leave your house you can't leave your building right <laughs> so but I think they're going to be trending toward that lockdown primarily because of that zero tolerance policy right which means that if one person has it everything's locked down in that area. Did you feel like, um, I know you said you were mostly fine, but that level of isolation, like not leaving your building, that's, and for me, that's pretty insane. Because like, some people uh, have someone and some people have no one. Yeah, right. Right. that level of isolation, did you feel like, I'm sure um, a lot of people are having a hard time with, dealing with that yeah so, so let me just share with you really quick on uh, one thing that i'm very proud of what we've done here in shanghai so in 2020 when it wasn't COVID back then it was, it was coronavirus first hit here in china a lot of my clients said you know colin i'm so nervous about this thing called coronavirus i can't go through regular coaching so myself and a handful of coaches decided let's get together and do what we call COVID coaching helping people who are going through COVID and having a tough time. Let's, let's give them free coaching. So we did that in 20, 2020, but 2020 was different because COVID was on TV. So we're in Shanghai and we're watching COVID hit the US. 
watching people really be put in in, 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 in a change of lifestyle, we're watching our loved ones go through something and we're trying to manage here. But now in 2022, you, you get knocked on the door, who is it? COVID, right? COVID is here now and people are dealing with that totally, totally different. So again, myself and about 12 other coaches came together to offer free coaching during this time. And we just hit our 103 hours of, of giving free volunteer coaching, right? So it's been a tremendous success. And during that, we've been coaching people who are going through so many different experiences. As you mentioned, there are people who are with their families and they're going through a tough time because their families aren't used to being together all the time. Then other extreme people who are by themselves and they're going through a tough time because they literally have no real time interaction and Zoom, um, social media doesn't fill that gap. So for those folks, they're feeling extremely lonely um, and it's been almost two months for some people where they have not been able to go out and go to a restaurant with their friends and interact. So people are going through a whole wealth wealth of, of, of different emotions from being alone, from <laughs> being around family a little bit too much, um, for saying to for, for also saying, you know what, I can't get food. I can't get food on time. I'm worried about starving. And in those cases, luckily, they've been, they found ways, right? But for example, a lot of ordering the food we're buying is done using a Chinese application. If you don't speak Chinese or can't read Chinese text, you're going to have a very tough time, right? So people are going through a lot of different experiences during this time. And some people, some foreigners are saying, maybe it's time to leave China, because if this is how they're going to manage this, I'm feeling... Like, I don't want to be here anymore. And one thing I, I tell them, I say, well, if you want to leave, that's definitely your choice. And I say, before we had these restrictions, did you think about leaving? And they, they say, no, they didn't. And I tell them, I ask them, when you're going through something painful, is that the best time to make decisions about what's paining you, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking about leaving China, and you never thought about it before, why you're going through this tough time might not be the best time to think about that. Maybe wait until things open back up and ask yourself that question again, because right now you're severely, severely biased by what you're going through on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. yeah, That's interesting. Yeah. It's a good way to look at it as well, making decisions. Yeah, because I often ask myself, because I've seen a few expats that are living in China and I'm like, why are they there? <laughs> but, you know, like you said, it's, you know, they have their own reasons and that's probably not the right time to make. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll say, I'll say one thing that most, most expats who I, I, I know here, they love living in China. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it for, for, you know, if you ask a Chinese citizen, their experience living here in China and an expat is vastly different, right? As a foreigner, we don't worry about anything political, right? In the U.S., politics, especially years ago, a few years ago, politics was front page every day, right? If you wear a mask, you're on this side. If you don't wear a mask, you're on this side, right? So everything was sort of tied into politics. Also, foreigners, people leave us alone. Look, I, I've never had any issues with any policeman here, right? I don't even 
the policemen don't even carry guns, right? And you know, I'm, I'm in the US, quite frankly, I see a police car, I get tight, right? No, no matter what I'm doing, I get tight, right? So for a lot of foreigners here, it's just, it's just very, very peaceful. And, 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 and the, 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 the crime rate here is very, very low, right? So I think for a lot of people, it's peaceful, the cost of living is low, and you don't have to really worry about anything political. So some people do enjoy time here. Some folks miss little things like, like Taco Bell. <laughs> you know, you, you, miss, you miss things like that. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, how has your experience been, um, like, as an African-American living in China? Um, have you had any issues or how's your experience? Been? Yeah, I think, I think everybody Black here have had some sort of experience. And it varies depending upon what city you're in. I'm in Shanghai. Shanghai is, is, has, what, 20 million people? It's a very modern city. Um, but if I go to a, it's a tier one city. If I go to a tier two city that's more rural, more country, I'll get looked at a lot more. Um, if I go to a tier three city, I might be the first Black person they've seen face to face, right? Mm -hmm. So they're going to look a lot more. Um, and they, they still do believe that for, for my first few years here, you had to get used to being looked at, being stared at. You had to get used to people asking you, are you from Africa? Because if you think about China, you're not going to, you'll, you'll never see a taxi driver, bus driver, policeman um, who's not Chinese, right. okay? Because everybody here, to be China is Chinese, right? So the concept of country folk is that. So when I think about Africa, Africa is all black. When I think about the United States of America, it's all white, right? Mm -hmm. So they still think that if you're if you're black, you came from Africa. If you're Chinese, you came. For example, in the U.S., if somebody Chinese and say where you're from, I'm from L.A. Where are you really from, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, because the, the, because we know that there's only a few generations have been there. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people here, they still think. So you may get asked if you're African, and and, and the the question doesn't bother you because we're all proud Africans, right? Mm -hmm. But it bothers you because they can't understand that you are from the United States, right? That part, that part bothers you. But for the most part, um, I haven't had a lot of negative experiences. Earlier on, I did not know how to deal with things. Like somebody, old, old man would come up to me and touch my skin, right? And I would get very upset. But now I realize he's not doing it because he's trying to be evil. He's doing it, he's just curious. He's just curious, right? So I've been able to, to just, you know, give people the benefit of a doubt. Now, in some parts of China, they treat black people very poorly. Okay, I'm not gonna lie about that. Very, very poorly. But luckily here in Shanghai, it's a little more, it's a little more, more modern. And in some, jo some jobs, um, some jobs, if you're black, you're not gonna get them. <laughs> if you're Indian, you're not gonna get them, right? They want they want Caucasian in certain in certain jobs. Yeah. But we're off topic, right? We're off topic. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's a, a part of, I guess, you know, the whole. It, it, it is because for a lot of people, it really messes with their with, with their mindset. And it's educational though, as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's still yeah. Educational for for you to have some type of enlightenment when traveling in different places. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I know for, for a lot of a lot of black clients I have, 
one of the major issues is how they get treated here. Um, and it's not that they get treated badly, they get treated differently, right? And part of it is, you know, treat me the same way you're gonna treat other, other foreigners, whether they be French, German, whatnot, treat me the same way. Um, you'll see uh, Chinese folks trying to act different when they're around some of their, their black friends trying to be more, you know, you know, hey, bro, you know, what did you see from TV? And it's not that it's, it's being treated the wrong way, but treat us the same way. So a lot of people do have, um, it, does, it does mess with the mindset a, a lot here as well. But before we get ready to close out, um, we definitely appreciate having you back again and just yeah. educating us on as far as um, positive intelligence. Yes, what I was reaching for. Yeah, yeah. Let me note up there, but yeah, positive intelligence. What I was reaching for. Yeah. Yeah, and let me add this. Right, if any of your listeners want to take the assessment, right. It's very easy. They can go to um, what is it, positiveintelligence.com, uh, positiveintelligence.com/slash/saboteurs, and they can take the assessment. And once they take the assessment, they can shoot me an email or go to my website, and I'll help them. I'll talk them through what the results what the results say. Okay. And what are the what's the the um, website where they can go? And we'll also have the links as well. Yeah, positiveintelligence.com slash saboteur. If you don't know how to spell saboteur, look it up. It took yeah. me a while to learn how to spell it. S <laughs> <laughs> A B O T E U R S, right? Positiveintelligence.com slash saboteurs. Then they can go to my website, O L I G Y E.com, and just shoot me an email, shoot me a note, and I'll walk them through how to interpret that assessment. That assessment is very, very powerful. It only takes about, I think, less than five minutes. It's not long at all. Yeah. And do you offer, you said you offer personal coaching as well? Is that on your Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So on the website, they'll see the different, the different services. We have coaching, we have training, but the majority of what I do is one-on-one -on -one coaching. And they can find information on the website of how to, how to actually how to sign up for a free uh, one-hour coaching, coaching call. Well, thank you again, Colin. And for the listeners, you can find the um, podcast at americangypsy.com. We have all the episode audio, videos, guest information, as well as links to our merch at luamlee.com. And we also have some music at Classic Carpenter on Spotify, iTunes, um, Apple Music, well, the same thing, uh, YouTube, and title and that's k-l-a-c-c-i-k-c-a-r-p-e-n-t-a thank you again to our listeners our viewers thank you to our donators and our supporters subscribers followers all of the above consistent self-improvement and, and peace. peace all right thank you guys